The Bloomberg Sustainable Business Summit returns to London on April 25th for a solution-driven look at the sustainable business and finance landscape, looking at the latest trends in ESG regulations, supply chain innovation and transition finance. Speakers include leaders from CDP, Emirates Environment Group, TNFD, Ctrace, COA and more. Summit advisors include City and Schneider Electric. Visit BloombergLive.com slash SBS 2024 to learn more. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. We begin in Iowa, where Donald Trump has cruised to victory in the first in the nation Republican caucuses. Now the former president is calling on his rivals to drop out. And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together. Uh, Whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative, it would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing. The former president won the Hawkeye state with 51 percent of the vote. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis came in a distant second with 21.3 percent. That's after polls suggested he had dropped to third place before caucus night. In spite of all of that that they threw at us, Everyone against us, we've got our ticket punched out of Iowa. Governor DeSantis came in just ahead of Nikki Haley with 19.1% of the vote. Entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy dropped out of the race and endorsed Trump after finishing fourth. Well, Nathan, the resounding victory sets up the former president very well. Bloomberg Politics contributor Rick Davis explains how the nomination race could now unfold for Donald Trump. If Trump does run the table and gets both Iowa and New Hampshire, a really unusual thing, uh, then he's got four uh, weeks to consolidate his hold on South Carolina. And we've seen early polling. The campaign hasn't gotten to South Carolina yet, so it's not reflective of a real campaign. But right now he's 20 points ahead of uh, Nikki Haley, who uh, calls it home. So and then after that, the really next big thing is Super Tuesday. So he could actually walk into Super Tuesday basically unchanged challenge at that point. And Bloomberg Politics contributor Rick Davis says a Trump presidential victory could result in sweeping changes for U.S. policies on trade, overseas conflicts, taxes, and civil rights. Karen, Donald Trump's victory will be the talk of the town at the World Economic Forum in Davos today. President Biden is once again skipping the event. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella is in Davos. He talked to us about the importance of election integrity. Misinformation uh, and election interference is going to be a real challenge uh, that we all have to tackle. We as a company have to do our best work, right? Whether in the context of AI, uh, we have lots of initiatives around content IDs and other things that will then help us. On a separate note, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella said he wants good governance and steadiness at OpenAI, but he says he's not worried about the company's nonprofit structure and doesn't want greater control over his partner. Well, Nathan, now to the latest developments in the Middle East. Iran has attacked what it said was an Israeli spy base in Iraq with missiles. If true, it would be the first direct strike on Israeli interests since the start of the war in Gaza and a move that escalates the region's conflicts. Israel has not commented and rarely does with such incidents. And Houthi militants have attacked a U.S.-owned container ship in the Red Sea, Karen. That vessel was hit by a ballistic missile but avoided significant damage or injuries to the crew. This latest attack in the Red Sea comes after American and British forces bombed the Houthis in an effort to deter them from disrupting global shipping. 
Well, to Wall Street now, Nathan, bank earnings kick off this holiday-shortened trading week with Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley reporting before the opening bell. Bloomberg Intelligence senior analyst Allison Williams says she'll be watching how the trading desks performed in the fourth quarter. Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs are the two top players in that business. Uh, Goldman was the leader. Morgan Stanley sort of took that position for several years, but now Goldman Sachs is sort of uh, back in the lead. And so I think that's that's something that investors are watching for. You know, more of the interest of bragging rights because as the top two players, they they are profitable in those businesses. And Bloomberg Intelligence senior analyst Allison Williams says investment banking fees and the outlook for a 2024 recovery will be a focus for these banks. Here in retirement savers are putting more money into stocks. That's among the findings of a new Bloomberg survey. And we get more in this report from Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. And Nate, the latest Bloomberg Marcus Live Pulse survey finds almost half the respondents said they were putting more funds into stocks. It's a response to rising prices. Real estate and commodities were among the other choices, but shares of companies whose earnings are expected to rise with prices were clearly the preferred option. Now, this potentially offers a long-term tailwind for stocks as societies get older. Now, this doesn't necessarily make stocks the right choice to counter inflation. You'll remember in the inflationary 1970s, stocks were the worst performing asset in real terms. I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Radio. All right, John, thanks. Well, in company news, Apple is removing a blood oxygen feature from its latest smartwatches to get around a U.S. ban stemming from a patent dispute with Massimo. The ITC had ruled in October that Apple's devices violated Massimo patents related to blood oxygen measurement. That led Apple to pause sales of the smartwatches just ahead of Christmas, though an interim stay allowed the company to bring the products back late last month. And Elon Musk says he is uncomfortable growing Tesla's AI capacity without a larger share of voting control. The auto Makers currently investing more than a billion dollars into its Dojo supercomputer product and working to develop humanoid robots. But in a post on his social platform X, Musk said without 25% of voting control in Tesla, he'd prefer to develop products independently. And Nathan, Microsoft is opening up its artificial intelligence assistant to consumers and making the corporate version available to smaller companies. It's all part of an effort to increase the number of paying customers for the new services. Microsoft is selling a $20 a month consumer version of Copilot with access to OpenAI's latest chat GPT technology and image creation features. Time now for a look at some of the other stories making news around the world. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Amy Morris. Amy, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Most of the East Coast now has been without snow for a couple of years. <laughs> Until now, the Midwest also dealing with some dangerously cold temperatures. Let's get more from Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn. Weak area of low pressure bringing some snow to areas that haven't really seen a whole lot of snow over the last two years. We're having some snow this morning in the Baltimore area, but it'll be ending the New York City area. We'll see the light snow end by early afternoon. In Boston, light snow will continue throughout the day and end during the evening. Looks like the Boston area picks up an inch or two before it mixes a little bit of rain. An additional inch or so possible in the New York City area. Very little additional accumulation around the district in Baltimore. Also looks like the cold in the upper Midwest will continue for a while longer, and then it shifts east this weekend. And we continue to track the winter weather, and we'll hear from Rob throughout the morning here on Bloomberg. Now, we've been telling you about the results of the Iowa caucus and part of the fallout. Entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy is dropping out of the race for president. As of this moment, we are going to suspend this presidential campaign. And this is going to have to be, there is no path for 
me to be the next president, absent things that we don't want to see happen in this country. Now, Ramaswamy suspended his bid after a disappointing showing in the Iowa caucus, deciding instead to throw his support to former President Trump, who was declared the winner last night. He told his supporters there are two America First candidates and that he called Trump earlier in the evening to congratulate and endorse him. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin out of the hospital and recovering now. The Pentagon says he was released from Walter Reed National Military Medical Center yesterday. He was admitted to the hospital two weeks ago from complications from prostate cancer surgery. Three shows dominated the Emmys last night. The HBO drama Succession won six awards, including Best Drama Series. FX's The Bear won Best Comedy and won several acting honors. Netflix limited series Beef won five trophies at last night's ceremony. Quinta Brunson's win for comedy was the first for a female black actor in more than 40 years. Global News, 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now. I'm Amy Morris, and this is Bloomberg. Karen. All right, Amy, thank you. Well, we do bring you news throughout the day right here on Bloomberg Radio. But now, as Amy said, you can get the latest news on demand, and that means whenever you want it. Just subscribe to Bloomberg News Now, and you can get the latest headlines right at the click of a button. Get informed on your schedule. You can listen and subscribe to Bloomberg News Now on the Bloomberg Business app, Bloomberg.com, plus Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. John. Karen, an NFL playoff doubleheader on a Monday. The Buffalo game, of course, moved from Sunday because of all the snow there. And they did shovel away at least much of the snow in the stands. And the fans were able to see the Bills defeat Pittsburgh 31-17. Bills jumped in front 21 to nothing and held on. Josh Allen threw for two touchdowns, also had a 52-yard TD run. The Bills were 6-6. Six and six. They've won six in a row, and they will host Kansas City on Sunday night. The Tampa Bay Bucks were four and seven. Since then, they've gone six and one. Meanwhile, Philadelphia was ten and one, closed out the season going one and six. It was all Bucks last night, 32 to nine. Baker Mayfield threw for 337 yards, three touchdowns. They covered 23, 44, and 56 yards. Now the Bucks get ready to play the Lions in Detroit on Sunday. Meanwhile, Bill Belichick is a coaching free agent, and he has had his first job interview, and it's with the Atlanta Falcons. That's, of course, the team the Patriots had the big comeback against in Super Bowl 51. Falcons not a particularly good team under 500, and they do not have a good quarterback. Belichick's sons, Steve and Brian, who were both assistants to him in New England, have been told by Gerard Mayo, who replaced Belichick as the new head coach, that they can remain with the Pats. Jim Harbaugh had an interview with the L.A. Chargers. Celtics went to 31-9. They won in Toronto 105-96. The Wizards lost to lowly Detroit at home. And the Warriors' struggles continue. They lost in Memphis. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Buble's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including 
sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before. Tell it like it is and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business app, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. Donald Trump's frontrunner status in the 2024 Republican presidential race now appears sealed. That's after the former president cruised to victory in last night's Iowa caucuses, with many news organizations calling the race before some caucus sites even opened in the Hawkeye state. For some morning after analysis, we are joined by Greg Vallier, the chief U.S. policy strategist at AGF Investments. Greg, good morning. Uh, when we listened to former President Trump's victory speech, he sounded like a candidate who's sealed up the nomination has he oh i think he has nathan uh maybe we go until march 5th which is super tuesday i think after march 5th trump will be the presumptive nominee why do you think he's not the presumptive nominee necessarily now well let's see how new hampshire turns out it's possible nikki haley could have a a strong second let's see how south carolina turns out a couple of weeks later where haley could do well but I, I, out of caution, I will say maybe this goes until March 5th, but I don't think it's going any longer. Okay, so coming out of the Iowa caucuses, uh, the former president had more than double the previous record when it comes to the margin of victory coming in nearly 30 points ahead of Ron DeSantis. But turnout in this race was as low as it's been in more than a decade, by some counts, as low as it's been in a quarter century. I mean, what does that tell you about where things stand in the race now? I think it shows, as a lot of people have uh, commented, that uh, Donald Trump's supporters would walk over broken glass to go to a a polling place to vote for Donald Trump. His base is really adamantly uh, in favor of him. Well, what about uh, Ron DeSantis? The polls coming into this caucus appeared as though he might slip to third place, but he managed to squeak out second. Does he have momentum now? Not a lot. I mean, it was a, it was still a fairly uh, weak second, and I think that uh, DeSantis is in trouble in New Hampshire. I think Nikki Haley will have a fairly good night in New Hampshire next week, but De- DeSantis is on really thin ice right now. Okay, so how about Nikki Haley? You mentioned that uh, she's she could have a good night in New Hampshire. How do you see things playing out in New Hampshire a uh, week from today? Yeah, I don't think Trump will get 50% like he did last night. I think he got 51 last night. Uh, I think it'll be closer, but I think Trump will still win. Uh, then South Carolina, a couple weeks later, could be really interesting because, of course, Haley is from South Carolina, but Trump is very popular there. I, I just don't see a big opening left for DeSantis. So with the uh, race heading into New Hampshire next week, South Carolina the week after that, going into Super Tuesday, you don't see it as necessarily being a long slog. But uh, how does this race uh, shape President Trump, former President Trump, up for a general election contest? Should he be thinking about the general election at this point? Yeah, the general election looks 
roughly tied. Uh, polls, some polls show Trump ahead by two or behind by two. A lot of wild cards, Nathan, whether it's immigration, you look at the Chinese election this past weekend, you look at a need to support uh, Ukraine, you look at what's happening right now in the Red Sea, there's a lot of big wild cards still to play out. And how should President Biden be reacting to this result? You mentioned immigration and going into uh, the race. uh, Immigration was seen as the biggest issue for uh, many of the voters going in here. How should uh, President Biden react to a Trump victory in Iowa? Well, I'm told that in private he's furious that he's not doing better because he feels the economy has improved. And he's right. The economy has improved. But there are still so many other issues. Uh, And to see Biden now in the low 30s, uh, you'd have to say at best he's tied with Trump. He may be trailing by three or four points as we get past Super Tuesday. How much of an issue at this point is former President Trump's legal battles? I mean, coming out of this Iowa caucus, he's going to be heading right back into a courtroom later today for the E. Jean Carroll case. That's one of many uh, legal matters that he's dealing with. Yeah, I, I don't I don't get that one. He shows up in court, um, mocks the judge, mocks uh, prosecutors and thinks that it's going to help him politically. I I disagree. I don't think he has to do that because he just draws more attention to these problems. And he certainly got the attention of Iowa voters last night, as, as yep. you said, uh, walking over, over coals and over sub-zero ice to uh, get to the caucuses for him last night. Thank you for this, Greg. Uh, good having you on with us this morning after uh, the Iowa caucuses. Greg Valliere with us this morning, the chief U.S. policy strategist at AGF Investments. Now we want to turn from snowy Iowa to snowy Switzerland and bring you some of the most important conversations from the World Economic Forum's annual meeting in Davos. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella says he wants good governance and steadiness at OpenAI, but he's not worried about the company's nonprofit structure and doesn't want greater control over his AI partner. Satya Nadella spoke with Bloomberg's Brad Stone at Bloomberg House in Davos. You guys have been fairly aggressive and out in front on adding AI features and capabilities to your products. And yesterday, you made an announcement where you're expanding the rollout of the Copilot tool, uh, fueled partly by your partnership with OpenAI, into Microsoft products like Outlook and Word and Excel. Talk a little bit about that and how widely do you expect those tools to be used? Yeah, I mean, if I step back, um, if you sort of look at um, what has happened even in the last, I would say, 16 months, right? Uh, you have to go back to November of 22 when ChatGPT first came out. I think that was the moment which I like to describe as the uh, the mosaic-like moment. In fact, interestingly enough, it was November of 93, a year after I joined Microsoft when Mosaic first came out. Um, and uh, I think that's the first AI product that we all could relate to um, and get a real sense of what this generation of AI can do in our lives. Um, but for me, maybe the product that should have really helped crystallize the potential was GitHub Copilot, which probably came six, eight months before that. Um, and especially when we you know, we scale from GPT-3 to 3.5, um, that's around the time when we felt that if you can take something like 
uh, software development, which is, let's call it, the most elite knowledge work there is, and have a tool that allows a software developer, in fact, bring joy back to software development, keep them in flow, get them to finish tasks, uh, that to be solidified. In fact, um, uh, the idea that you can have a co-pilot for pretty much every human task. Um, and so we have been on that journey. And we're anchored on two real things, right? The one thing, the breakthrough is the user interface. In fact, 70 years of computing history has always been about can you build that most intuitive user experience? That's kind of how it led to graphical interfaces or the, uh, you know, the multi-touch phone or what have you. But now with natural language, you ultimately, in some sense, have arrived at that point where it's not about us understanding computers, but computers understanding us. Uh, so that's one major breakthrough. The other breakthrough is uh, we now have a new reasoning engine, uh, which is a neural reasoning engine, because the other 70-year history of computing was we digitize people, places, and things and try to make sense of it, reason about it. And so we now have a new capability. So you put these two things together, a new user interface that's much more intuitive, um, you know, grounded in natural language, multi-modal, multi-turn, multi-domain, uh, and a reasoning engine. Pretty much every software category, what is productivity, what is an operating system, what's a browser, uh, they all, in some sense, collapse. Uh, and so that's why to us, Copilot, uh, just as maybe in the past we were known as an office company or a Windows company or a, a cloud company, I think going forward we will be. We have a Copilot, we have a Copilot stack in Azure, which is all the APIs, uh, and that's sort of what our core focus is. Right, now tell us, Let's talk a little bit about the relationship with OpenAI and how we should understand it. Um, Copilot is powered by OpenAI. We saw some instability in the relationship back in November, which uh, uh, you, you seem to have now come through. Um, is, is Microsoft outsourcing what you're describing as a core capability going forward? And yeah, so I think um, if you sort of step back, um, in fact, it's probably helpful to understand. I grew up in a Microsoft um, yeah, which sort of had these massive partnerships. Uh, the first partnership that at least I joined uh, was around Intel and Microsoft. Uh, I don't think Windows would have existed without Intel, and in, Intel wouldn't have had the success without Windows. Subsequently, in fact, uh, it's interesting, I, I worked on a SQL Server product uh, with SAP. In fact, I don't think SQL Server, our database would have existed without SAP. Uh, SAP's success uh, of being able to support SQL Server uh, also helped them a lot. Uh, and so in the same way, I think of OpenAI and Microsoft. So I'm used to constructing. In fact, a lot of people talk about organic development, which of course is the core. People talk about M&A. Sort of not as much is talked about how much enterprise value gets created by partnering effectively. Um, so that's the spirit with which I think about OpenAI. Um, so there's a whole lot we do. So when you say outsourcing, who's outsourcing what to whom is the real question, right? So we build the compute. Uh, they then use the compute to do the training. We then take that, put it into products. And so in some sense, uh, it's a partnership that is based on each of us really reinforcing what everyone, uh, each other does. Uh, and then ultimately being competitive in the marketplace. Uh, there are, there's room for, I call it horizontal specialization, there is room for vertical specialization. Sometimes some business models are in vogue. Uh, I'm a big believer in horizontal specialization, uh, especially if you can vertically integrate everything. 
This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.